Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Vesselprod.com movies and television podcast. As always, I'm dead. I'm today we have Caveman. Aloha. I'll just call it Birdie. I mean, we're friends, but come on. And returning <laughs> from the horrid depths of the Australian outback known as film school. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> it's me, rat school. <laughs> Spend a time you, out there with a red do, shooting horrid monsters. No, okay, <laughs> look, you do. My film school's actually in the city. I'm from the outback. <laughs> it takes me an hour to get to school. So the outback followed you. <laughs> just sitting in class, uh, and you just hear the howling outside of the dingo horde. <laughs> no, 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 no the not the dingoes. <laughs> it, <laughs> I apologize. Yeah, just <laughs> to the native uh, peoples of Australia. It's been a while since we had him on, so we couldn't make Australia jokes. <laughs> Fine, yeah. No, it wouldn't be dingoes. I it was would worried be the emus had gotten him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would be the emus. Because uh, I'm pretty sure they own this state, so, you know, it oh, would God, be the it emus. Just, I just thought of the most retarded thing ever. Just you're hanging out in the quad in film school, and you just hear snapping, and just look over to see a horde of emus just like West Side Storying up, and then coming from the other direction is the dingoes. <laughs> Territorial dispute at film yeah. school. <laughs> oh, and you can see in the background like a dingo and an emu are just trying to fuck. <laughs> it's wild. Go full West Side Story. Just all of a sudden, random music starts uh, playing and just horrible yelps coming out of these creatures because they're trying to sing. No, this is... You've now made a nightmare, a horror story. <laughs> oh, God. What if that actually was a horror story? Just, just like you... It's like you have a movie that's technically two movies. It's like two hours long. The first hour is people being besieged by horrid animals, and the second half of it is from those animals' perspective, and they're in a musical... It would, that be would be absolutely very, hilarious. No, no, no. Do it as a two-part movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, like shoot, shoot the like. T- tell everyone it's a sequel to the first movie where these people are under siege by these horrific, monstrous animals, and then come back and West Side Story with dingoes and emus. <laughs> we we learn we learn the no- we learn the secret behind some of those noises is just interspecies attempted mating. <laughs> That... No. And these, these are the ideas I fucking come up with. Like I had a fuck, I had a fucking another idea a couple days ago for a story about an aging robot having an existential crisis about wondering whether or not it's going to heaven. <laughs> okay, you 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 make fun of that, but my whole shtick is robots this term. So like, yeah, I had the exact <laughs> no, same. No, I wasn't thought. making fun of that. That was like a genuine title. idea I had. That was an yeah. idea I had after having an imaginary Twitter argument with somebody because I was offensive toward Warforged. <laughs> this is wild. I uh, yeah, no, I've been literally for school. It's just been robots, robots, robots. robots. I even have a miniature robots. <laughs> I have a miniature robot that my class named Wobo. Like <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> yeah. 
fuck kind of Aussie bullshit <laughs> name is Wobo? Well, it, well, I mean, I said Robo, but then I think someone misheard me and they go, oh, is it Wobo? And <laughs> that's that's been my life. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, Rascal, what have you been watching? Movies. <laughs> and TV shows, I think. Um, Thank God. Do you... Let's talk about something. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. Do you guys know, of course, I hope you know, but do you guys remember Riddick? Yeah. I've never heard that name before in my life. Wow. How? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of film person would I be if I didn't know the story of Richard B. Riddick? <laughs> oh, I, okay. I Okay. The, the Riddick trilogy, bad. Bad movies. Dude, Riddick, Pitch Black is great. Pitch Black was amazing. That's the best movie out of the three, and it holds a special place in my heart. But the Riddick as a whole yeah, the series Chron- Chronicles is not of Riddick that good. was Chronicles of Riddick actually does hold this weird special place in my heart, where it's like it's ambitiously bad. Yeah, like they jam packed so much new lore. Yeah, they, like okay, first movie was like kind of like a horror movie, kind of yeah, suspenseful. Yeah, the, 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 first you know? movie, the first movie wasn't really a lore movie. It was just hey, we're on this planet with fucking demons and shit, and then here's Riddick. Yeah, it's like it was like a scenario movie. Like you know, it was like this is simple plot, simple goals. This is the dynamic we have. Okay, good. And then the second movie, I think yeah, Riddick, the second one yeah, is fucking ghost Riddick. people, and I'm gonna kill you with my teacup. And I like elementals, love those blades that Riddick wields. Am I the only oh, one? The, the necromonger. Yeah, the necromongers. Um, blade. The oh, necromongers. Cool. Yeah, like okay. <coughs> If the second movie had been like a graphic novel tie-in to the Riddick series, I think I would have been more fine with it because it would have had more time and like it would have been a better medium for the jam-packed lore they were trying to like cram into a scenario movie with the villain or the pro- antagonist who's also the suddenly the protagonist now. Is like, what? Is that Carl Urban or Colm Fjord? Or are you talking about still Riddick still? I'm still talking about Riddick. <laughs> yeah, I, what the fuck was Colm Fjord's deal? Like, what, what could he do that made him so, like, fucking dope? Like, cause all I saw he, all I saw was him. I saw of him was he told people what he was gonna do and then did it. Like from what I remember his ability, he like he sent out this weird like, he sent out like that Donnie Darko fucking like water trail thing, but it looked like a person this time. And then it went forward and mimed out an action, and then all of a sudden he followed it up, going like one point five times faster than the thing did before. Oh, and everyone oh, was like, shit. "Oh god, he's too powerful. We can't possibly beat him." Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, what was that? What was that power? I do what? not remember these movies. No, yeah, like, like the final fucking, the the thing that Riddick, the way Riddick kills him is his, his trail begins running away and his trail runs into Riddick. So then Riddick just begins bringing the knife down on the exact spot where his head will be. And then his head's there and he gets stuck and stabbed in the face. Yeah, like, that is Riddick. That is the how easiest he, and then fucking he... power. That's the easiest thing to defeat. Just... Like, it literally tells you where the target's going to be. So you just aim where that is and then go and you win. 
Maybe yeah. the movie. Okay, I can't believe I'm defending Riddick, the second movie. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that power was actually like how Riddick sees things. No, everyone saw that. That's yeah. Okay, yeah. I just realized that was dumb for me to say. What? Yeah, this movie so is dumb. And hey, you, you want to know something that's even dumber than all of this movie? So, in one of the Fifty Shades of Grey sequels. Oh no. Oh okay okay yeah 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 all right then. There's a bit. Jump straight to yeah, that. There's a bit where uh, our two leads go to Christian Gray's childhood bedroom, and in said childhood bedroom, his walls are festooned with posters of UFC and the Chronicles of Riddick. Oh, why? <laughs> Wait, are you serious? I am dead serious, and I feel like at some point we need to do a let's watch of those. Just, we need to sit down and just fucking commentary run through the entire Fifty Shades trilogy because it's all out now. I respect wait, myself too much to do that. Wait, wait, wait. There's a third Fifty there Shades of Grey movie? There are three Fifty Shades movies. Wait, I thought there was only two. Nope, there's a third one. Oh my, what? Yeah, the third one wraps up the story and actually has them settle down with kids. And I think it also uh, finishes up their... Finishes up like the thing set up in the second movie about fucking her weird boss. I have too much self respect to do that, dead man. I'll get Birdie. Hey, Rascal, you want to sit down with me and some other weirdo and watch fucking all, 50 sh- all three Fifty Shades movies? And then record it for the I- internet? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess. <laughs> I guess Noise. I'll watch the shitty movies. God. So, yeah, so Fifty Shades of Grey. First movie. Then Fifty Shades Darker. Yeah, the, I knew that. And I knew then that finally, was... Fifty Shades Freed. Oh, that's yeah. a shitty t- title. And, okay. The tagline on the poster, don't miss the climax. Even though in most other countries, the climax will be edited out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's a fucking movie. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, but like, no. <laughs> actually, here's, the, here's the weirdest goddamn thing. I kind of respect the series. I mean, okay. Because, because like, okay. Well, this is the last recording I'll be taking part in. No, I, I, I kind of respect it for the sole purpose of it is a trilogy of films based on a trilogy of books that didn't split the last book into two movies. Even though they could have easily done it because this franchise has grossed over a billion dollars worldwide, making it the fourth highest R-rated film series of all time. And, I mean, also props for adapting... That fucking Fifty Shades of Grey book, like, that was a horror show in terms of writing, and then they somehow made that into movie, like... Yeah, no, it's not. It's still a horror show of writing. I mean, yeah, but it, someone had fucking, to, like, fucking actually Fucking a dude sitting on a bed that. saying, I'm Fifty Shades of Fucked Up, is still in the movie. <laughs> oh my god. When 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 they sit oh. when they sit down like there's a bit there's an end like the end of the first movie I think is like I'm gonna show you how bad it can get 
You're like saying, yeah, I'm going to go full fucking BDSM kinkmaster. And what he does is he spanks her six times. And that's it. And that's it. Oh, this is disappointing now. <laughs> I don't even know much of the BDSM. And I fucking know that that is some weak bullshit. It's really weak. <laughs> that is some fucking, that is some fucking like sorority girl. I'm into kinky stuff shit right there. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to get crazy. I have these plastic handcuffs with fur on them. Fuck you. Oh, it's, it's like, oh, you know, we're going to have a kinky night. And then, like, I got a blindfold and that's it. Like, what? No, that's not it. That's not at all kinky. Y'all motherfuckers I ever mean, seen a maybe. vibrating chandelier? I fucking have. How would you? I I'll, I'll send you some links. Okay. You are over 18, right? I am, yeah. I know, okay, the voice doesn't say it, but I am. I, I, I made very much sure to ask that, because the second I heard that voice, like, wait, you're over 18, right? Yeah, no. Because no, I, I know event- the voice is I want to eventually turn this into a company that makes money, and hiring somebody <laughs> below 18, that has some problems with, I think, like, workplace stuff. It just makes things more complicated. Anyway, let's talk about no, Riddick. I, yeah, Riddick. I mean, oh boy. Though, okay, so Riddick, Riddick 1, Pitch Black, favorite movie, formative movie, love it, a special place in my heart. Riddick, the second movie Chronicles that's just called Riddick. Oh yeah, the Chronicles of Riddick, sorry. Riddick, just the name Riddick, that's the third movie. Yes. So the Chronicles of Riddick, wild show, so much lore, that necromongers are a thing. Like, okay. The Furians. And then- the Furians, which actually I'm actually kind of curious about, because in the first movie they're like it, they kind of imply that Riddick's just a normal dude who's just always been yeah, he's, he's just a murder boy, a criminal. He's just a murder man who's like you know having a fun time on this planet with these people. And then Chronicles of Riddick, they imply that no, he's actually a human. No, sorry, he's actually an alien. Uh, who and they're all like that, but they're all dead because of the necromongers. So he's the last of his species, essentially. Yeah. And the eye shine thing, how he can see in the dark and all that—that that isn't a surgery he got in a pl- prison planet. That's just a feature of his alien species origin. So it's like, okay, we're kind of. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> retconning, we're retconning there, but that's yeah. fine, I guess. It, this is a sequel to, you know, a movie made in Queensland with, you know, an American star. And then, then g- guess what we do in the third movie? We're doing the exact same thing as the first one. Woo! Woo! Just like, oh yeah, all that lore, the high diplomatic politicalness of it? Nah. No, fuck that shit, we got Starbuck. <laughs> Fuck that shit. We've got an alien dog. Word. And everyone yeah. loves Alien 3. <laughs> what is up with the Riddick series? Why? Yeah, I don't know. Did you ever I see the animated really movie? Like- no, I did look into it though, and I was thinking, yeah, I want to watch that, but. The voice of the ghost, yeah, the voice of Ghostface from the Scream franchise is one of the top billed actors on on Wikipedia. 
okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking Vin Diesel. Some lady named Rihanna Griffith. Keith motherfucking David. And then Roger L. Jackson. You you have to say his name that way. Just for anyone who's listening and doesn't know. it's it, You have to say Keith motherfucking David to show proper respect. Yeah, yeah. Motherfucking is his middle name. Yeah, hell, Roger so L. Jackson has higher building on this fucking page than Tress McNeil. I guess for caveman's uh, sake, she's a Simpsons voice actor. Yeah. Okay. And a Futurama voice actor. She's the voice of mom. Oh, now I know. Uh, yeah. Wait. Okay. When? Okay. Timeline wise. Yes. I, I believe the animated movie is in between Pitch Black and the Chronicles of Riddick. So yeah, that's the, technically the second movie. Yeah, the first the uh, the first sentence in the description of the thing is shortly after escaping the planet from Pitch Black. Oh, okay, good. All right then. I'm glad I remembered that. <laughs> also, I did some digging into Riddick's character because I love Riddick the character, but not the movies. And apparently, okay, so in Pitch Black, we're kind of introduced to Riddick as like, oh yeah, he's a, cr- a dangerous criminal. He always has been, always will be. Yeah, Turns out. Yeah, he's got his eyes shined in the prison planet that was super, super max. Whatever, that's fine. Turns out, what originally got Riddick into the system of like going from prison to prison to prison was the fact he was actually just a dude who joined an academy, became a very good soldier, joined a company, and then because that company was doing slavery on a planet... He tried to stop it diplomatically, like report it to the authorities, and that company just put him into prison. So it's not like man, he did an that. actual. Cr- he didn't actually do a crime. He fuck just ended noise, up man. in prison. Yeah, like he didn't even murder anyone. That's 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 the biggest failing of these fucking other movies. Like that first movie is great because Riddick is this fucking weird. X factor where you have no idea where his, where his legions actually lie, where he leans and everything. But then you do sequels to that and you can't have that. Like writers nowadays can't have a character be ambiguous. Yeah, I realized that while I was watching that. Like I, in all these years of watching movies and watching these kind of movies, I don't think I've really seen a character that's like Riddick, who's just, you know, he's more like an animal than anything like i would compare him more to like being the alien from alien than being like a human antagonist like why yeah like like these movies would be better if it was if they had set it up more like the fucking mad max series where the main character in the story doesn't focus on riddick riddick just kind of shows up Yeah, Riddick just shows up, he kicks ass, he's a dangerous man, makes some jokes, has a laugh, Vin Diesel is playing him. Like, that should be the Riddick series. Yeah, just he hops from planet to planet, and some people know about him, some people don't, and then the actual story happens. Like, a more naturalistic way of injecting lore into the world without ruining your best aspect, which is, what the fuck is Riddick's deal? Yeah, 
Oh my god, they totally could have done the Chronicles of Riddick so much better if Riddick was not the protagonist. Yeah, he's he's just a fucking folk hero. Yeah. Let me tell you the tale of the I actually could really get behind that idea. And not just for the Chronicles of Riddick. Like, okay, I want you guys to picture this, alright? Alright, alright, picturing. A Superman movie. Okay. Where Superman isn't the main character. Hell yeah! Yeah, that's, I. well, I have that, I have the comics. That happens sometimes. Yeah, I know, but... <laughs> You get what I'm getting at. Like, no, yeah, no, I, I get that. Just like we've got all of the like that would be a great way for us to get the the Gary Stew that so many writers seem to want, and still have a good story. Yeah, because yeah, we know that character can't die. We know that character is going to be fine. But what about the guy we're actually following? Yeah, what about fucking Johnny Fuckface over here? We know they're not going to kill um, Mad Max, but. Furioso, or Fur- I can't remember how to Furiosa. pronounce her name. Furiosa. Furiosa. Mm, is she going to survive? We don't know. What like, about, yeah, what about the be, That's a great way to give us our main character and still have like the, the stupidly powerful character that writers always seem to want. Yeah, and also it's a good like introduction of the mythos and not... Like, with your Superman example, it's like, oh, yeah, but it's Superman. He can do this. He can do that. And it won't feel like the man is just doing nothing. And also, it leaves so much mystery. Because if Superman does one thing and not the other thing, we can go, oh, yeah, maybe it's because he's got different motives. But if Superman's the main character and therefore we're prevalent to a lot of it, a lot more information, then we go, oh, Superman's a dumbass because he didn't do this and he did that instead. Superman's like, not exactly a, lot- a great example right now. Like, if Superman was introduced today, I could see that working, but we don't fucking so much about him now. Exactly. Like it, it, he's not with, with a character, a character like, anymore. With a character that we know that well, it's better to have. It's better to not just. It's better to like not do a story of like, oh yeah, we all these things. Oh, Superman shows up. It's better to be a thing of like showing how Superman impacts the world at large. Yeah. Like if we saw an impact and like an outside perspective rather than an inner perspective. Man, this keeps on happening. Th- this is what happens. This is what happens when you get a fucking film major and two creative assholes. <laughs> we just stop what we're talking about and just start pitching each other on movie ideas. <laughs> Maybe make a podcast about that. We do. It's called pitch meetings. <laughs> um, do we want to do a pitch meetings where we try and come up with a movie but centered around that core concept, that ridiculously powerful character? No, I'd rather ma- I'd rather make the horror musical combo. No, oh, that would be so oh great, though. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to work with animals? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's yeah, like, dude, that's why it's animated. If we, go, if, if we go horror musical, then we don't actually have to use animals. We can use like monsters and have two opposing factions of monsters that just want to get along. And the only reason they're killing humans is because, well, we got in the way. <laughs> No nah, man, I want to make I want to make it I want to make like a fucking like animated movie and I want to make animated horror for one thing. Just I just I like that idea. But for the second thing, I want to make that second one be fucking uh 
Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Where the animals are just kind of doing their thing, not killing anybody, and the humans are just killing themselves and blaming on the animals. Mm, that could work. I think I've only ever seen one animated horror movie in my entire life. Was it Watership Down? I think... Oh, no, no, no. It, um, one of the Dead Space movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did do an anime thing. Yeah. Like, I think... I'm, I'm, talking, about, I'm talking about, like, a full Western top-to-bottom horror movie. Not, what, not like some horror action thing, not like tied into a video game, not some anime bullshit. I'm talking about for real. This, this is a movie set up like a traditional Western horror movie, but it's a cartoon. Think about what you could do with a monster then. You could certainly go for something a bit more in the extreme as far as physicality. Yeah. Yeah, like, as well as visuals, like, like one of the big animals. things with fucking horror movies, like nowadays, is it's either just a dude, or like, the, or the effects they go with are so cheesy that you can't really take it all that seriously. Or you get golden gems like the ritual, where the monster is actually yeah, very yeah, good. The, the, the ritual, the ritual monster is pretty great, but for the most part, yeah. like the like like a lot of the horror movies out there, like fucking Avatar. Nope. Abattoir is a really interesting concept that fails to deliver in almost every aspect. Yeah, that sounds like sounds like a horror movie. Yeah, it's about <laughs> yeah, it's about uh it's about like this uh I guess like an insurance agent or something who's uh who has like a family member get murdered and then stumbles across this conspiracy about a man who is building a house that's built entirely of rooms that he ripped out of places where murders happened. Essentially, a guy constructing the most elaborate murder house ever, where he, where like anytime anybody is murdered, he will then like pay money or like do whatever he has to do to have that room removed from the building, like like bricks and all kind of removed. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, he wants the whole setup. Yeah, just just anywhere that, anywhere that people have died horribly, he takes and puts into his own house. This sounds like a very poor like billionaire hoarder episode <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's what it is it's hoarders <laughs> yeah it sounds it's, it's like, like a so billionaire what you do? hoarders well, i collect murder rooms <laughs> no you don't collect them you hoard them <laughs> now tell me about your childhood trauma like <laughs> i don't really have one really <laughs> it's kind of like one day I was like, watch, like you know, walked in on my mom watching fucking horror movies, and I'm like, yeah, I like this. Oh. Anyway, what the fuck we're we talking about? Riddick is a good series. No, it's a shitty series. <laughs> only watch, only watch the first one, Pitch Black. And then the third one, Riddick. Don't watch Chronicles of Riddick because you will get confused. And it's not the same movie as the other two. That's my advice. No, I mean, what we, we want to do is if, you, if you're going to watch Chronicles of Riddick, get drunk and record it. Or do that. <laughs> I'd be happy to do that one. <laughs> well, right. It sounds like we got a fucking shooting schedule. Anyway. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> Fuck. 
Oh god, I breathed wrong. <coughs> oh no. Dead man's dead. Oh well. Anyway, anything else you want, Rascal? Um. Hmm. I've watched. I think. Okay, we'll do two cartoons. I've watched the Dragon Prince and oh, no Bojack Horse. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, I hate you. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that just dropped on Netflix a little while ago, and the no spoilers rules applies. Oh, it's okay, so can I talk, talk about Bojack Horseman Season 5? Sure, I don't give a damn about Bojack Horseman. Okay. Dead? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. But Bojack Horseman Season 5. But I guess I just for... Without getting super deep into it... Uh, Dragon Prince. Uh, so, Birdie, one of our contributors uh, who's from the comics and anime podcast and also a semi-regular reviewer on a site, uh, he wrote up a review for the first season of The Dragon Prince and gave it three and a half out of five. Three and a half out of five? Hmm. Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, there's like a, like like a lot of things. Like a lot, like a lot of the things, uh, like his uh, description of it was... There's a lot of potential here that the first season doesn't really capitalize on. Yeah, yeah. It's it feels very simplistic for what it has lore-wise. So it has a lot of a lot a lot of lore, a lot of like, you know, fiction behind it, you know, different circumstances and all that kind of stuff, but it very much sticks to a very simplistic plot and yeah. That may have been a detriment to it, because I think it could have gone more into what it had built, world building wise. Yeah. Um, so uh, just here is here is his like final wrap up paragraph for uh, what he what he thought of the series. So, The Dragon Prince does enough at its start to be a promising new series for Netflix. The setting and characters have potential, and I am honestly astonished by how effectively the full CGI animation is used. There are some worrying plot and tone problems at the start, and the world is a tad too generic and reliant on Western fantasy tropes, but I'm hopeful that some of these will be worked out in later episodes. Yeah. Yeah, I pretty much agree. Not with the animation, though. Uh, mm. Okay. It's a... It's definitely a style, um, but it's. I feel as though it's maybe too clunky for in some scenes. Like mm. in uh, many comedic scenes, it's fine. Like, oh yeah, that you know that makes sense. It's good time framing. It's good framing on like jokes and stuff. But uh, in the more serious scenes, it can kind of be a bit. Um, I don't know. It can be a bit distracting because it's like, oh, your face should be moving, but it's. Not. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I get that. I am a... I have thoughts about a lot of CG animation. Especially TV CG. TV CG is... It's always, like, cresting. It's always, like, just on the cusp of the level you want it to be at. Like, it's near the uncanny valley of animation. Like, not like some Mars Needs Mom shit. I'm talking about, like... Yeah. I'm it's like, about, like, it's like, stylized. It is, 
Yeah, it is. It is like near the. It is like nearing the level of where it is like just straight up good, like some Pixar shit. But it gets caught in that fucking valley, that dip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually had very little problem with the animation, but I can see where Birdie's coming from with the whole, you know, Western tropes kind of thing. No, it the it's a little bit lackluster. Yeah, um, yeah. My notes for the if you, I, I've only watched the first episode because I'm watching it with my wife and her schedule kind of denies the binge watch every day uh-huh. option. Um. All of my notes for the first episode are predicting who the characters are going to be. Like, literally, first time they're on screen, quickly write it down, and then it's confirmed by the dialogue following through. Yeah. Like, it's it's hitting things note for note, point for point, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I am very hopeful for this series going on, because if what I quickly googled the other day is true one of the writers on avatar is one of the primary creators behind this show oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so the show was created by uh, two guys um aaron hesh or something he was the former head writer of avatar last airbender as well as another guy whose name escapes me but he was the director of uncharted 3 yeah which gives me hope yeah no i would say that it's a very it's different but also okay I think a lot of people, when they went into the Dragon Prince, they were thinking, oh, yeah, this is just going to be like Avatar. It's not. It's a lot simpler. Like, well, I wouldn't say it's a lot simpler. It's like, it's different. It's like, with Avatar, it was more like Asian influence. It was like Asian philosophies. It was Asian, you know. Yeah, it was, it was a Western cartoon about like Asian culture. Asia. Yeah, this is more, this case, it's like. It's the same kind of similar, um, I, I wouldn't say same team, similar team, no. It's like maybe one or few folks who, who well, are it's, behind it's the, same, the heads. It's the same head writer. The heads, like, yeah. that, that's what people yeah. are benching. That's what people are like banking on. It's like, well, guess from the head writer of this thing. But like, yeah, he's the head writer, but he wasn't the main the whole driving team. force of the world. Yeah, exactly. But um, I think it's a still it's a still pretty good t- kid show and also good like cartoon you know, it's just, it's not, I don't think it's going to reach the same nostalgia field hype as Avatar, The Last Airbender. It's just... I'm I'm going to be hopeful for its potential, because so far, like, you're, you're saying it's a very simple, like, blah, all this stuff about the world, but that's actually not true. No, no, the law, the, like, the world and stuff is, like, you know, with the crown prince and the elves and all that kind of the, stuff. The and opening also the spiel dragon. just sets up a very complex sociopolitical environment. The question is, how much of that are we actually going to end up dealing with in the overall series? That's it. Like, this is also and just you know season that, one. You know that they have an intention for more seasons, because the first season is called Book One. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, we well, like, also know they have intentions for more seasons because... It's a show made after 2010. Yeah. Um, but like, th- okay, I'll okay, I'll admit they they have a lot of world building and a lot of lore and like a lot of fiction behind it, and it sets up a really complicated uh, environment. But the main characters are all kids themselves, like uh, Ezrin. I don't know, he's like under ten, and then uh, I ah oh, Prince uh, Prince Thief and Puckish Rogue. 
Yeah, exactly. They're like, you know, they're kids as well as the elf. They're all kids. So they're taking it from a very kid-like manner of like, oh yeah, we can solve this problem by just doing this simple thing. When, you know, there's probably more aspects to it. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. But, so this season is still very, it's simple, even though there's a storm in the background, I could say. Um, and then the ending kind of makes it more complicated for these kids. So I'm excited for season two because I want to see where they go with it and, like, you know, what things have changed, you know? Like, oh, because of this happening, this is now going to happen. I want to see that in season two. Yeah. But it's still simple and easy to follow. It's not like, you know, you're theorizing anything. And, like, I do have to say this on, on my opinion on the animation. I don't think it's as good as anybody is saying, <laughs> if I'm honest. Because we can do better. Like, just patently. We have the technology. And I'm not even talking about, like, bank-breaking bank technology. I'm talking about, like, stuff that you can see from, like, a fucking shitty-ass commercial. Yeah, the we can do better. Okay, we can do better. It's very clunky. I mean, it's kind of like standard character design, but I mean that also goes with the fact that like a lot of these medieval fantasy tropes as well. Um, but it's I don't know. I guess it's a new technique that you don't see a lot. Yeah, the dragon prince. I'm waiting for the animation to do something that really just tells me, okay, I see why you chose this style instead of the style that you used previously. Well, the reason they did that because they couldn't hire Studio Mirror. Yeah. Fair enough. Like, is this, is this the kind yeah. of thing like, like you, like, like you, like the way that you're talking about it, it sounds. It sounds like it, it sounds like you're like saying like why could not you do like the thing you did before to a team that didn't do the thing before do it before exactly I'm, I'm like, really more getting at like they could have used standard animation Oh uh, yeah I mean no I think what they have now gives the show a sense of of uniqueness and I think in some aspects they, I think they went with the right choice to go with what they went with. Because I think if it was, for example, if they hired Studio Mirror to do animation, uh, and it was a oh, yes, Mirror, and it was the same kind of look, I don't think it would have helped at all the um the show. Yeah, and plus they already have Studio Mirror working on fucking Voltron. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Yeah, that's Dragon Prince. I think it's a good show. I'm excited for season two. Also, it's a lot... It's a very diverse cast of characters. Like, I'm, I'm very proud. I, like, you'll see it soon, Caveman, when you keep watching. But, like, I'm like, oh, I, I know this. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. All right, then. So, Bojack, then. 
Bojack Horseman season five. Um, I think it was good. I know I saw some discussion online how it was not good or it wasn't as great as previous seasons, but I think it stood up with the rest. Okay, I guess. So, I guess just for those who don't know, uh, what is Bojack Horseman? Okay, Bojack Horseman is a cartoon uh, show from Netflix about a horseman, a horse, who's also a man who uh, did a, a show in the like 80s or the 90s, and um, he's a washed-up actor in Hollywood, and the show kind of follows his life. Yeah, and there are like a bunch of like this world is there are people and there are animal people. Yeah, they're like, like you. So you have normal people. Yeah, that that was kind of an important detail. Yeah, yeah, po- normal important human people, and then also also important but not human people. They got like you know horse heads, horse Anthrop- coloring, anthropomorphic but- animal dudes. Yeah, exactly. Um. And Bojack Horseman is one of those dudes, but like you know, he's also got human friends, that kind of stuff. But yeah. uh, season five follows um, him working on the show Filbert, uh, which is a, like a, a true crime detective show kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's uh, you know, it's funny. It well, no, it's not funny, but how they portray it is quite funny because it's a, it's actually a really shitty show uh, with bad writing, uh, which you get with these kind of detective shows. But uh, <laughs> it's um, it's it's less humor coming from the BoJack storylines and more humor coming from uh, the Todd and Princess Caroline. Uh, storylines but it's also really dark this this season very heavy um have you guys watched it i've been uh, bojack to. horseman's never appealed to me because i don't tend to favor that kind of humor yeah and meanwhile i've been meaning to get into it it's just i that's the kind of show i need to be in the right mood to get into yeah, you have to be in the right mood to watch season five because it kind of covers some really heavy topics like, you know, um, drug addiction, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, like, everything I've seen about that show is dealing with like depression and alcoholism and all kinds of really heavy shit. Yeah, like in the first few seasons of Bojack Horseman, it kind of felt more like a joke that, you know, Bojack was always drinking and stuff and like he was going on benders. But season, I think either, I think season four or maybe three had like a a finale that really hit home that and it made like, you know, that drug addiction serious. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this series... Uh, no, sorry, this season, season five, they kind of took it to that natural conclusion of um, Bojack getting uh, addicted to painkillers and then the consequences of that. So it was less, it was taken less lightly as a joke and more seriously this time around. And like, it like had an impact. Um, and also there was like a whole episode, uh, dedic- like 25 minutes dedicated for just um, one monologue, one monologue from Bojack Horseman uh, talking about his mother, and it's like, whoa, okay, 
like serious stuff and like not really particularly that funny. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I'm pretty sure Project Horseman slash Will not uh, Will Arnett will be getting an Emmy for that performance, like proper serious, you know, actual acting. There It was amazing. No, I did um, but yeah, so I mean, if you're if you're someone who's uh, sensitive to that kind of stuff, like you know, you know, and actual serious consequences of like taking drugs and getting addicted and all that kind of stuff, you gotta be in the right mood to watch BoJack Horseman season five because it will hit you. And also like assault and stuff in Hollywood, you know, like um. How's that 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 huge trend in the trend that's still going going like um Me too. Uh, like Me too, that's it. Um and like you know about the, all the assaults and stuff in different industries and especially in Hollywood, it kind of touches up on that but not in um a very superficial way. It's like an actual part of the season and a very natural part of working on the show. Uh-huh. So like props to Bojack Horseman for yeah, that. Yeah, I got to give praise for that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, you know, it's like, they, it's not like they were acknowledging it. It was an actual part, an actual aspect of the show. And, like, you know, yeah, they did make fun of it, but it was a very serious, like, hey, this is what they're doing. And, like, you know, we're just as part of it as everyone else because we work on the show, but we let it slide. And, you know, like, props to Bojack Horseman to just let that actually happen naturally in the show and not either, A, pick at it, for like, oh, see, look, we're talking about Me Too as well. Or um, mention it, but then not acknowledge it. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, if I don't want to spoil anything. So, I mean, yeah, it's a good good series. A good good season stands up, like, with uh, season four and season three. And, um, yeah, I can't wait for season six because I truly want to know what happens to Bojack. All right, then. Anything else? Um, we can leave that for next time, I reckon. All righty. Well, so, I guess, springboarding off of BoJack, watched a bunch of Bo Burnham recently. Oh, he's funny. Yeah, he's I, very funny. Yeah, I spent the last, uh, so, I spent the last couple weeks in a fluctuating state of depressed and sick. That was fun. I needed some comedy. Uh, unfortunately, I was not in the mood for, like, just, you know, comedy stuff. I needed, apparently, some introspective shit. Because I watched both of Bo Burnham's uh, comedy specials, uh, What and Make Happy, that are on Netflix. I watched them both, like, five times each. They're works of art, I reckon. Yeah, it's not standard stand-up. Like, they're both stand-up specials, but... They're not just like, he doesn't just like walk up there and like, hey, here's some joke stuff. It is flipping back and forth between like musical stuff, doing random bits and also incredible introspection. Like two moments kind of stand up in my mind for both specials. Um, first, from the first special, what it is the uh, left brain, right brain. Where he is up on stage and he and like. He, and he st- so he starts playing two characters, both of them his brain, like one of them the left side of his brain, which is, you know, analytical, whatever. And the other one is the right side of his brain, which is all emotions and shit. 
And then both sides of his brain start screaming at each other where we're like the right brain is like, hey, I'm supposed to be helping with these problems, but you keep trying to solve everything. And then left brain going, well, fuck you. He's sad. That's your fucking job. I did my job, you piece of shit. He hates you. And it it fucking gets heavy. I think uh, in Make Happy, there's a whole, like, there's a whole section of, like, where the other dialogue coming from the speakers is all pre-recorded, but it very much feels like a, like a natural, like, okay, Bo Burnham, he very much, it's very much an art and a performance what he does on stage, because I'm pretty sure all of what he does is so meticulously rehearsed in order to make it perfect for stage, but it feels like... He's up there making fun of both himself and you and also making jokes. Hell, that, that is a joke in the show. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, 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 I don't know how recently it was, but I remember watching that uh, whole bit and was like, can the audience hear that? Like, is the audience hearing what we're hearing? This internal monologue right now? Yeah. Like, uh, like, oh. like, the, like that first thing, the first uh, sequence, like, that, like, I mean, not the first sequence, like what? ends with him he's, he's like he's like yeah, that's the end of the show and then he just kind of points and then it begins like playing music playing like you know audio from like three different kinds of people that i guess bo had experience with like the first one it was like hey oh my god it's like bo you're just fucking i was a piece of shit to you in high school but now you're but now you're like fucking super awesome so like hey come on hang out like play music for us for free you monkey the other one was an agent and then the last one was a dude who was this shitbag dude who was like, I mean, it used to be cool. What the fuck happened? All about the money now. And then he just starts, and then he just starts like live remixing essentially like their dialogue into a full on song where it's just like, we think you think like, we think we know you. And then he just starts like miming out instruments that then build into this song that he had previously fucking mixed to put together and everything. And it's all just really well done. Really well choreographed. And Actually, I think there's a joke in, I think, the second one, Make Happy, where he says to the audience, oh, I'm about to make a joke that uh, video video editors hate. And then oh, no, there's both, a very both of them poorly have that. Like, done. Like, like the, video, oh, yeah, yeah, the, the video editor one is from, uh, is from what? Is from what? Yeah. And then it makes a very badly done cut. Yeah. And <laughs> where it, he's like, he's on the next joke. And I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. But that makes you wonder, like. What did the audience experience? Yeah, and then and then you get to, and then you get to um, make happy, and he's talking about continuity errors. He's wearing a sweater, and then it cuts, and then he's wearing a t-shirt. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, and then the and then with make happy, it ended with my probably my favorite uh, Bo Burnham bit, where he does a Kanye West style like just off the dome rap complaining thing. Like he starts talking about like how he went to like a Kanye West show and there was like this musical track player underneath it and Kanye had auto tune in his voice. He was just complaining about like his life and the problems he's going through, and so Bo started doing that same kind of thing. And he's like live auto tuning and like live auto tuning and pitch correcting his voice and like the way the lights work and everything, like the way like the whole like fuck oh it's so good. It's a shame we probably it's a, it's a shame that we're probably not going to be getting any more bow stand up for a while. Just like the way that the way that I've seen him talk about it, like I've seen him uh talk in a couple of uh, interviews talking about his movie 8th grade. Mm-hmm. 
And oh, he's making a movie? You know, he made a movie. It's out. People love it. Oh, shit. Yeah, I think I think it's like a like sitting at like a like high like mid to high nineties on Rotten Tomatoes right now. And everybody's like, "Oh yeah, so fucking good, man." But yeah, um, yeah, like just seeing the interviews talk about him, he's talking about stand up comedy and like the way that like the other special that he did as something of the past. So I don't know if he will ever actually come back to do a stand up special again. Or if he'll just now be focusing on, we're going to make movies or whatever, until he finds something that is a different creative outlet for him. It's, it's the weirdest goddamn thing with Bo Burnham's goddamn t- fucking career. Well, I mean, okay, I can understand why he'd want to focus more on doing other creative projects and other creative outlets, because just watching... His um, stand-up comedy, you can see that, like, that stuff takes a lot of effort. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he just physically got too tired for it. Yeah, well, he he then went right into making a movie. Yeah, but... uh, Okay, from from a... Okay, perspective... Like, like, think about it. Like, like with the stand-up comedy stuff, it is... Like, most of the comedy stuff that he's talked about, it's been, like, he spent, like, five years making making what, and then spent three years working on Make Happy. And, yeah, like, that, that, is, that is a long amount of time to do stuff, but it is, it's a bit different than the, like, constant, like, six-month nonstop grind of making a movie. Okay, I'm go- I'm going to say from someone who's one worked in theater and also two is like now doing movies. I'm going to say that movies is definitely less like that's it, I wouldn't say it's easier. I think it's different, but it's also less like, you know, s- like sleep deprivation. Um, like, even though it's, like, you, you're working very long hours, like, 12-hour days, you're shooting, and then there's editing and all that kind of stuff, it's a much bigger team. So, like, there's, like, 20 other people who's also going to mm, like, be sleep like, working, working on those films, were you the one in charge? You Okay, you do realize that when you're the one working in charge, like, you know, you have different aspects to, on the film set. No, so no, I'm, 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 aware, I'm aware of that. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. aware of, I'm aware of, like, you know, fucking, I know that stand-up and film are different. Yeah, like, I can, no, but I can see why um, Bo Burnham would be like, oh, no, I want to do movies from now on. Especially if he's done two shows, and especially shows like what he's done. Like, that would have... It, like you know, you told me, you just said it took him like years. I can understand why it would take years to make something like that, and that's a lot of effort for a payoff of maybe like you know five to twenty shows around the country. And a Netflix special, which will continue making him money for years to come. Yeah, like you know, the, but also like, like I actually have s- to ca- I have to counter you because as someone who has done theater, film, comedy. And pretty much all of this stuff, I actually kind of understand where Dead Man's coming from. The whole, yeah, I'm tired by this, so I'm going to do something even more tiring. It's okay. I'm just saying that it's a lot... Movies is a... Like, it's still tiring, but it's a different kind of tiring from theater. 
Anyway, that's okay. Yeah, I just if you haven't, if you haven't seen Bo Burnham's specials, check them both out. Uh, if you don't have Netflix, uh, what's actually up on YouTube? He actually released what entirely for free. So yeah, you can you can find what on YouTube on his YouTube channel. Both really worth your time. Worth your time, Layla. Kind of keeping on just bouncing off that BoJack thing. Let's talk about Arrow a bit. Because much like BoJack dealing with tough subject matter, Arrow had an episode dealing with tough subject matter. And it was terrible. So terrible that it broke me out of my streak of watching Arrow. What was the topic? Gun control. Oh, oh. No. yeah. So there's an episode in the fifth season, I think, where a man walks into City Hall because at this point Oliver Queen is mayor. He walks into City Hall and just unloads with an automatic weapon. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. We learn that the reason he did this is because his family was killed in a in a gunfight after the city failed to pass a gun control ordinance. Hmm. Okay. And then, and then, like the flashback stuff, mainly focus on Wild Dog, aka the third guy with a gun on Team Arrow. And he has a big, like, beef in the thing with Mr. Terrific. Because Mr. Terrific is, hey, man, guns are bad. And Wild Dog's like, fuck you, bro, guns. Okay, you know, I'm just going to state my stance on gun control and kind of leave it at that. Guns need to be regulated. That does not mean that no one should have them. That means that they should be regulated. So for all those people who are about to jump down my throat for either side of the argument, go to hell. Yeah, it's this. I have a question. I don't watch Arrow, but doesn't the name imply that they're not using guns and that they should be using high-tech bows and arrows? Oh, sweetie. (laughs) Like, like, is he not the green arrow? Arrow refers to a single yeah. character. The Green Arrow, right? Is that not his name in the comics? In so, so this is this is a bit weird. Wait, no. So in the comics, Green Arrow is essentially Robin Hood or Errol Flynn or that kind of thing. Just a punch yeah, rogue exactly. out there with like a fucking arsenal of trick arrows out there solving crimes, being dope, being awesome. Yeah, Arrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The show. I know that much. Is about what if Batman killed people with a bow and arrow? Okay. Still, no, no guns on air, on the on the main character's part, right? No, he can use guns. He's used guns. He's killed people with okay. guns. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was from his time in the Russian mafia. Look, at this point, that's not surprising because the man who's meant to use bow and arrows is using a gun. Like, he's already like, like the out in Like, out point. in the world, I guess, like, like in, when, he, when he's suited up and doing stuff, he has a bow and arrow. But then he started building a team. Like, over the course of the few, last few seasons, he, he had built up a team of people 
that included John Diggle, a.k.a. Spartan, a.k.a. a guy with a gun. But this previous team fucked off. Uh, Diggle went back to war where he was framed for stealing a nuke for Chechnyans or something. Uh, his sister just stopped. Uh, the other arrow guy left and then uh, the worst character, Laurel Lance, died. Yay. That's good. And though, and so then he was doing his, so then he was doing his whole, I'm Batman, my, my team left, so I'm not going to let blah, blah, blah. And then the rest of the team is like, yo, fucking dumbass. Help, get help. So he brought on a new team of an idiot, a worse version of Mr. Terrific, and Wild Dog, a.k.a. a new guy with a gun. But this time he's different because he's a guy with two guns. Oh, two guns. Yeah, going akimbo, son. Yeah, yeah, so that's the whole thing. And like his back, and so, so the, so the wild dog flashbacks are, are he was once married and happy with a daughter. Uh, so then one day the daughter, he and the daughter are going to a hockey game, and he decides to bring a pistol to a hockey game. Which then turns into an argument where he ta- where he talks to his wife and says, "Hey, wife, either stop doing heroin or leave this house." So they come back and they're being robbed. Okay. Uh, he yeah, Wild Dog realizes he's being robbed and decides to leave his daughter alone in this in the main hallway of the house to go get his gun. You know, because he's a good parent. Yeah. Yeah. Like they start. The, yeah, the, the, he I'm and the robber get into a fight. The it. gun goes off, and he ends up killing his wife. Okay, I'm just gonna say it. Comic book, comic book properties that aren't comic books, but also comic books, dumb. Like, come on. <laughs> and yeah, like it, it's so weird. Like he spends the entire he spends the entire issue arguing that if he had had a gun, his wife would be alive. Which no, she, she she was shot by you. Yeah, which I think was the point they were going for. But the show is so poorly written that you fucking can't really know one way or another. And they have like a couple of scenes where there are where there where it is like multiple philosophical arguments where that is just people going over the same talking points over and over again. Hmm. Like like the, like the main argument between fucking Mr. Terrific and Wild Dog, it is, hey man, guns are dangerous. Well, fuck you, man. Should we regulate cars? Yes. We do. Yeah, we but that, <laughs> we that, do. That, that thing, we do. P- people are fucking idiots. And and another thing is like another thing is like, hey man, like guns are guns are a problem. We need to fucking regulate them. It's like and his thing is, well, hey man, pe- people don't care about your fucking regulations. If they want guns, they'll get guns. So fuck laws. Which is the most idiotic fucking argument. Because if that was the case, it should be just no laws at all. It's it like like the, the whole argument is like, hey man, don't regulate guns because criminals will still get guns. Yes, but which if is an argument that doesn't make sense because anyone who knows knows that well in countries that do regulate guns, gun violence goes down. But also, but also yeah, the argument. Down, down. But also the argument essentially sounds like. Essentially sounds like, hey, man, I'm not going to rob that guy. 
Well, guess what? Someone's going to rob you then, because robbery happens and people don't care about laws. It's just the idea that because people break the law, there shouldn't be laws against, there shouldn't be laws about guns. Is the most idiotic fucking thing I've ever heard. And in the show, it, because of how badly everything is set up and written, like you can't tell which one's meant to be the right argument that the show is. Oh, no, no. Pitting. We know what the argument of the show is. Is the argument of the show is, hey man, guns is bad because it's written by fucking uh, it's written it's written by people. And most writers nowadays are fucking liberal people who are like, hey man, fucking gun control, yeah. Okay. Like that's, that's the thing. So it, it very clearly is coming cool. from the point of view of guns is bad. Let's stop guns. But it's so poorly written that any other subtext that they're trying to go for is completely lost. Like the text <laughs> is there and the text is guns and bad. And stuff. Yeah. And like the fucking point of the, ep- like the, the, the end of the episode is fucking Oliver Queen, uh, Gaining, garning, gar- like, essentially going somebody a political favor for the purpose of pushing through gun control ordinance for a single city. Okay, you know what I have to say to this whole show? What is that? I feel like more people have died by arrows in this show. Oh, they have. Guns. But actually, I'll get to that. I will get to that. Because it is... There is a there is a moment there is a character fucking heel turn in this season that is the most insane thing ever because of the motivations behind it that I am actually shocked somebody wrote it and nobody said hey wait a minute so anyway one of the arguments that, actually one of the arguments that they have in this show in this episode that actually kind of surprised me was they had an argument against people who didn't want to argue about gun control. What? So... Wait. Yeah, so in fucking the Arrow Cave or whatever, uh, Wild Dog and fucking Miss Terrific are having their whole argument, and then Felicity walks in and goes, can we please stop talking about this? This is not helping. And then at a certain point, Felicity like gives her whole thing of like, just everybody just fucking argues, and it solves nothing. And then Miss Terrific is like, no, it solves things. It used to, at least. We used to argue about shit and debate and, like, talk. No one does that anymore. It's just, it's just. I think this way. Well, fuck you, you're a Nazi. And then everyone stops talking. It's a... It is a weird point to make. And a point that I actually kind of agree with, but it's so ineptly yeah. done. Like, that that almost sounds like a point, like, you know, yeah, that's right, but I don't trust it coming from you now. Exactly. (laughs) You spent this entire fucking show just having the most polarized goddamn debate possible with no sense of nuance, and then you stop and say, no, man, we need to fucking debate and have nuance. Yeah, that is, that is odd. I I don't know how to process that. Yeah. Also, now that I mentioned Felicity, fuck Felicity. She's the worst. Just straight up. She is worse than Laurel ever was. What did she do this time? I exist. Like, uh, 
like I, I mentioned, I mentioned before about uh, like her that time she nuked a town. Yeah. That, what? That time she. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Damien Dark, uh, he he was a villain from one of the seasons, and his whole plan was just launch nukes and just kind of reset the world. And one was going for a particularly heavy target, and so Felicity tried to redirect it, couldn't get it to a spot where it couldn't hurt anybody, so instead nuked a small town in the middle of America. What? Which then created Ragman. Uh, okay. But anyway, so. What? So uh, I've talked about the time where she. I talked about the time where she. Bi- I talked about the multiple times where she's bitched out Oliver for stuff that he had no control over and that she shouldn't have been involved in in the first place, right? Like stuff involving his kid. I guess I haven't then. So, uh, in so in uh, around the time that they were doing the first like big multi show crossover thing, um. Oliver found out that he had a kid. He went and tracked okay. this woman down and found out she and found out he had a kid. And so the so the uh, mom of the kid, uh, being somewhat understandable but a total bitch, said said if you ever want to be involved in your son's life, you will tell no one that you have a son. If you do, I will take him and move away that you, to a place you will never find us, and you will never be involved in his life again. And so he was like, okay, this is the thing. Uh, let me just, I want to verify this. So through whatever means he did, he got some DNA. He got some of the kid's DNA and went to Barry and said, hey, Barry, can you run a paternity test on these two samples? Didn't tell them what the samples were. Just said, hey, can you run this? Because he's a forensic scientist. So he does and says, hey, yeah, it's a match. They're fucking father and son. Sees Oliver's reaction and then puts two and two together. Then later, Felicity finds out he is a kid and then goes to him and just starts fucking scream, just starts fucking crying and yelling at him. Like, how the fuck could you dare to keep this from me, the main character of Arrow? Oh, God. You piece of shit. Like, you told fucking Barry, but not me. And he tries to defend himself like, no, Barry just fucking found out. At no point does he think to say, she said if I told anyone, I would not see my fucking kid. Then, when he just then, then when he like fucking puts then, then when like his like the fucking mom dies or whatever, uh, he gets the kid and puts the kid in essentially like a witness protection program kind of thing. Just sends him away because his life is fucking dangerous and people die. Yeah. Okay. That's. I mean, that's good parenting at that point. Then but. Felicity gets pissed off about that because he did not consult her in the decision. is a thing she got mad at him for making an understandable choice of a parent because he didn't ask her a not parent is were they married at that point no they yes, never got married yeah. in fact they broke up then yeah fuck yeah, then what? her in yeah, fact they broke up yeah. in the worst and dumbest and most amazing way possible so wait they had been married at that point no they were engaged Yeah, like like they like they they decide, hey, we're gonna have a relationship. I'm gonna stop being the arrow. They drive off, start living together. Then he decides, hey, I'm gonna propose to you. Does so. She says no. Then says yes. Then gets shot and paralyzed. 
Then a fucking chip or whatever gets implanted into her back that gets her legs working again. And they get working just in time for her to literally walk out of their relationship. The the fucking note that the Olicity or whatever the fuck it's called relationship and her being paralyzed story ends is her getting her legs back to walk out of her relationship. Okay, this is all And then in this bad. fucking season, she is living in goddamn Oliver's apartment. <sighs> like in a previous thing, she packed up all of her shit and left. And then and then this season, she is living in that place with her new boyfriend that Oliver doesn't know who he is. Well, Oliver, I guess, lives in City Hall. I don't know how mayors work. <laughs> they mayors? usually have a uh, small mansion built using funds that they've siphoned from the city. <laughs> why, not just live in, why not just live in his fucking, like, three-story brownstone apartment or whatever the fuck it is? Yeah, like... <laughs> like, no matter what fucking mansion or whatever, the city, the, ta- the tax money of the city of fucking whatever the goddamn shit it's called now... It's going to pale in comparison to the fact that he was a former billionaire who has 19 goddamn properties. I'm pretty sure one of them is also a warehouse. I don't know. This this is... This whole fucking situation is idiotic. And speaking of idiotic, let's move on to the biggest, most amazing dumb shit in this goddamn season so far. So. They introduced a version of Artemis into this series. I think I know that character, yes. For those who don't, Artemis was a character who I believe was created for the Young Justice cartoon series and then started disseminating out into the rest of DC stuff because she did so well on that show. Well, there had been been a version of her before, but she didn't truly exist before Young Justice. Young Justice, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember her from Young Justice. Yeah, so they brought in a... Yeah, so, so they so they brought in um so they brought in this uh fucking lady uh to Arrow. Uh she was like, "Hey, I'm going to kill Damian Dark because he killed my parents." And then Oliver's like, "Hey, maybe don't murder for revenge. Let's fucking join me and do this stuff and it'll be great and awesome." And woo. <laughs> so, so they bring her in and she begins working under the alias Artemis. Eventually, they f- eventually team the new team Arrow finds out that the Green Arrow used to be the Hood, the guy who wore a green hood and a bow and arrow and used it to kill people. You know, totally different than the Green Arrow, the guy in the green hood with the bow and arrow who uses it to kill people. <laughs> Comic books are dumb. I'm just, it's so dumb. This is the TV show that's dumb right now. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. So, um so yeah, she finds out that that he used to be a murderer. Despite the fact that he is still a murderer and has killed people in front of her. So, this kind of disillusions her from her whole fucking thing. And so she decides to go and work for the uh the season's villain, Prometheus. A murderer. 
Like this is the dumbest fucking thing. She learns that her hero was actually a former serial killer. So she goes so so, so in order to take him down and show him fucking whatever, she decides to go and work for a worse serial killer. Like that's that's the big dumb thing with all this. Like Arrow in the first season, yeah, you can fucking have the moral thing of like, hey, you shouldn't fucking murder people like this. But he was he was murdering objectively terrible people and giving them a chance to not be murdered. Yeah. One of the big things with uh, Arrow was he always was like, you have a choice. Yeah, you failed (laughs) this city. Do this or I come back. And more often than not, he would come back because people he fucking worked with are fucking Captain Planet villains. Yeah. Just, I put a bunch of asbestos in people's houses in the glades and then set them on fire. It's like, hey. And he comes back over and goes, hey, don't do that. And then... (laughs) And then, he, and then he comes back, and they go, but I wanted to make money! Fuck those people! So then they die. Meanwhile, this motherfucker killed a housewife. Just straight up murdered her in her own home. Among her children's toys. No big reason for it, other than her name, when the letters were rearranged, was the name of one of the people that Oliver killed when he was the hood. So what? let me just, so what? yeah, yeah. So Prometheus's whole thing is that he is going around murdering random people. Well, not murdering random people, murdering just fucking ordinary people because their names are anagrams of names that were on the list that started this whole series off as a message to Oliver that they know about the list and are killing people and going after him because of what he did for the list. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. So let me rerun that logic. This lady, this this Artemis, finds out that the person that she thought was a hero used to be a serial killer who went around killing people while having his own moral reason for doing so. This disillusions her to the point that she decides to go and work for another serial killer who is killing randos that have never done anything wrong in their life for the purpose of sending a message to the killer that she left. Oh, okay. Also, this, this is the, is... this is the worst version of Prometheus and a really dumb character overall. Yeah. So, so Prometheus, for those that don't know from the comics, uh, he was a guy who had this special helmet that he could um, that he could load like CD-ROMs into, that then implanted knowledge in, knowledge and skills into his head. No, it wasn't. He didn't load CD-ROMs. He actually just downloaded the information straight to the helmet, and so long as he was wearing it, it gave him the information he needed to be able Either to be way, similar anybody. concept. Yeah, it, it was essentially he was he was essentially he was essentially like downloading Batman, and so that was his whole thing. It was just, hey, I'm a smart guy who has this helmet that lets me fight on equal footing with a lot of you non-superpower people. This version of Prometheus is a guy with a voice changer and a stupid costume who carries a bow and arrow and never uses it. And that's it? Yeah. Like, like, like he is called the throwing star killer because he has throwing stars and uses them to kill people. 
He also has a sword and a bow and arrow that he has never once used. See, okay, this show has the solution to all of its problems, including gun control, is they should just let them use the bows and arrows. No, that, that, well, A, that doesn't help. It's, People would then still they'll die. want bow control. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hey man, listen, arrows don't that. kill people. Bows kill people. <laughs> yeah. But no, like what? What this show needs is to just stop and reset everything to be actually about green fucking arrow. Like that's the thing. This show started out as like, hey, yeah, we're doing a show about Green Arrow, and then it was not because it was mostly about Batman, but worse. And then you get into season two, and we have a story that is not about Batman, and is actually like a whole full-on thing that is relatively well told and used the fucking like flashbacks effectively. But Laurel was also in it, so it couldn't be that great. <laughs> Such a hate on for Laurel. Laurel fucking sucks. <laughs> she is the worst, and also kind of retroactively ruined this universe's version of Ted Grant. Because, because this, because it's a fucking season. Anyway. Yeah, season three was Bad Batman. Season four was dog shit. And apparently season four was supposed to be their pivot point. Because in season four, that's when he starts calling himself the Green Arrow. But the suit they gave him was not green. So in post, they put a light green filter over him in a lot of his shots. So there's just, so there's just this weird green haze around this character model. And occasionally his suit turns black. Yeah, whenever they forget to do the haze. Then you get, then you get to season five, and he actually is wearing the green, wearing green, and doing green arrow stuff. But it is back to the horribly dark, depressing tone of like seasons one and two and three. It this show is a mess, and what it needs to do is just fucking kill everyone, and then reboot the show on a different version of Earth where he is actually Green Arrow. Because here's the thing, Stephen Amell as a guy, is pretty close to, like, the charismatic version of Green Arrow from the comics in the animated series. But the writers and directors won't let that happen. He has to be the sad one. It's because it's, it's for d- drama. But then you look at fucking Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow, both incredibly fun shows that still have drama in them. But 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 the drama. <laughs> Fucking Legends of Tomorrow. There's a goddamn Groundhog Day episode that has a scene where a character tries to kill herself. Yay! And it's effective. It is effective drama in a in a in an episode of a show like this is an episode where we find out that the pyromaniac murderer thief is writing a romance novel. And then a couple minutes later, we see a character on the bridge of a ship try to pull out a fucking flintlock pistol and try to shoot herself in the goddamn head to try to escape a time loop. And it's just so fucking casual. Just everybody's there. It's like, all right, one thing I haven't tried yet. Let's see if this works. Click. And then it starts crying. And it is awesome. This is a goddamn show that had an episode about zombie fucking southerners 
and managed to have something of a, of a statement about black people, about black people's like fucking thoughts on slavery in the fucking civil war. That was a thing that happened in this goddamn show. I, I mean, Legends of Tomorrow was great. Yeah, it's possibly like, the best thing on fucking Fox right now. Uh, CW. Sorry, CW. Legends of Tomorrow is the rebuttal to anybody trying to defend or trying to say like, "Hey, yeah, Arrow's pretty good. It's got this stuff going." Like, fuck you, right up your dick hole, or your non-normal vagina hole, I guess. Just stick something. What? Just stick th- something big up your urethra. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's our dead man. It's like get yeah, like a fucking soup ladle. You just get like a soup ladle, and it's like get some sandpaper so it's rough, so it's a bit rougher around, it, and then just like right up your pee hole, and then twist. Just fuck you, man. Legends of Tomorrow, season four, coming soon. <laughs> they fight unicorns in the past. They go to Woodstock to punch a dragon in the face, I think. I love Legends of Tomorrow. It's so fucking good. Anyway. Uh, so, moving on to... A new series that has just kind of started wa- that I just started watching, and I'm not 100 percent sure why. Just let me wait for the fucking drag race outside to stop. <laughs> this is what I get for living on a main street. So anyway, uh, so it's called You. It's a new Lifetime like- series about like it's like just Y O U. It's a new series on Lifetime about a guy stalking a girl. Oh. Yeah, and like, it's told to the point of view of the stalker. So he's the hero then? He's the protagonist, not the hero. Yeah. No, I mean in his own mind. Yeah, actually. Yeah, we actually, actually, like, we have a running internal monologue from him seeing what he's thinking. And it's a lot of just, and it's a lot of just like, uh, he sees, like, he sees the he sees the guy that, like, the girl he's interested in is dating, and it's like, you keep falling for these shit bags. It's, it's not good. Like, don't worry, we'll I'll get him out of the way, and then we'll be together, and everything will be great. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, and that kind of works, and the, and they do it in such a way that, like, the, the guy that the guy that we're following, he's a Gossip Girl alum, so he's not the typical look of a stalker. Or, or the weird sex creep kind of thing. Like, there's a point in this where he's just hanging out in New York streets and just starts masturbating. What? Yeah, like, he's he's watching... Like, he's standing he's standing across the street from this girl's apartment. Just kind of watching her do whatever. And then he starts having, a, he starts having a fantasy of him and her having their first time together. And it's this big romantic thing. Everything's like, oh, fucking great, whatever. And then he starts jacking it. Oh... Ew. And I kind of yeah. appreciate that they are going like this much into the horrible, creepy sex pervert thing with this guy and not kind of like copping out going like, no, man, this is like good. He's like hot and shit. Because that's usually the thing. Like they usually try to gloss over. They, they, usually, they usually try to gloss over like the weird, the weird, creepy sex pervert stuff with these characters because they're hot. 
Yeah, that's kind of the point of this character. Like a rom- they try to make it into like a romantic thing. Like, oh, he's just looking out for her and watching out, you know? It's like it's Yeah, and it's like in his mind, that's what he's thing. doing. But we are seeing this from the outside. So we know that, oh, wait, no, you're just a horrible sex monster. And I appreciate that. Like, like, like the running dialogue, like the constant running dialogue, uh, is works great. I think uh, for the show, and they also do like a pretty decent job of showing how he stalks. Like, like, like the, the the first thing that we should see him do is from her name figure out her address. And it's not like some hacking thing. It's just he uses Google. Like he found out her name, Google's Google's her fucking thing, finds her Instagram account, sees a sees an image that she posted that has the front of her house, then then reverse image searches it to find the address. And I'm like, oh fuck. That's er- kind that's yeah, that's kind of scary. Yeah, and that's the uh, point. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. This show is better written than Arrow, so I can kind of get the point more. And this seems to have kind of like followed in a Mr. Robot has actually done a lot for TV in that now TV shows allow people to swear, but they can just censor it. Mm-hmm. And with Mr. Robot, it is it leads to a more naturalistic dialogue feel, and the censoring isn't too intrusive because it doesn't really go like I, I feel like from what I remember, Mr. Robot, uh, the censoring is very, very like just it's. It's timed better into the dialogue. It works better with like the audio mixing, and it all just kind of flows into the dialogue and into the scene. With this show, though, the editors didn't do a great job like timing the censorship, and I actually didn't notice it at first because they were. Just, I was just watching it, and there would be times where just the dialogue would just cut out weird, and I was like, "Oh wait, there's something wrong with the file. Like, what's happening here?" And then I see, "Oh wait, it's okay. They're censoring it." Poorly. And also inconsistently. Because there's one point where he is... There's one point where he is standing outside uh, watching her fuck. And they censor the word come. (laughs) Wait, is that a censor word? Is that a word you have to censor? No. I don't know. Because later in that same scene, he says come... And it's not censored. Yeah. Like, it's not a word you have to censor. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, it's usually the main swear words. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that's weird. They also censor shit and ass. Which are two words that aren't really censored anymore. Well, I guess it depends on what audience uh, you're targeting. Well, it depends on the rating of the medium. Because I think... That's TV 14. Oh, 14 Canada? Yeah, I'm Canada. Okay. Ah, oh, fuck. So, shit and ass sure are fine. shit does... Yeah, shit and ass are fine, yeah. But they censor both those. Really? Even ass? Yeah. Which is weird, because they just... Because sh- they fucking showed a sex scene, and one of the one of the shots of it was just the fucking cresting view of a dude's ass. <laughs> <laughs> 14 year olds they can see the ass they cannot hear the word yeah, ass they, they can see they can see part of the ass they can watch a dude be bludgeoned in the head with a hammer 
They can watch a woman masturbate with a pillow. But they are not allowed to hear the word. Hey, I am actually a big proponent of that because do you know how rare it is actually in media for a woman masturbating to actually be allowed through? Okay, fair. It is one of the weirdest parts of of our media that's still sexist. Okay, yeah, yeah, is that a woman's sexuality is not allowed on screen? And actually, it's it's really funny. Like that that whole bit is actually kind of funny because I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it leads into the masturbation scene, like the guy masturbating in the street scene. But so. So uh, he's like stalking this girl and her shitty current boyfriend comes over. He is. He's the guy who's who is um who's like whatever his name is the third. He owns an artisanal soda company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a yep. thing. Uh, and he and he dresses like he dresses like Johnny Depp dresses now, but like intentionally. Oh, just it's just so sad. So yeah, they fuck. Then he finishes and goes to leave, and we get the internal monologue. Guys, like he didn't even come, did he? So then he leaves, and then she's just like, well, "Fuck, what do I do now?" Well, might as well get mine. Grabs a pillow, just starts going at it. Which, Wait, this is. Yeah. Wait, this is a fourteen rating, PG fourteen. They don't fucking show. It. Okay. It just, it just, 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 she's wearing a shirt, puts a pillow between her legs, and then it gets a close up of her face, just going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's better. All right then. All right. What did you? What did you think? What do you think I meant? They just like fucking. Yeah. She just like sat down and it's like like a fucking fucking full spread on shot of her cooch and she just fucking goes at it. No, no, I was like thinking a full like MCU kind of shot. <laughs> what MCU are you watching? Full picture. <laughs> no, I I thought it was a proper shot, and I was like, "No way, no hell, would you get that on TV?" <laughs> I think it was like porn. I approve. Yeah, see, like like I said with that sex scene too. It's just, it's it's we we are seeing it from a from a not ideal angle, far away through a window. Okay. Yeah. So so when when I say that we got like the guy like fucking like the ass cresting. It's like it's like when he is like doing the hip thing or whatever to fuck. Uh, we we see we see like you know arc of the bat going up to just like the we begin to see we begin to see the just barely spreading of the cheeks the separating into the two cheeks. Says <laughs> <laughs> support us on Patreon. <laughs> I think you describing the scene is in need of more censorship than the actual scene. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure if I like this show or not yet. Cause I, I like premise of it. I like the way that they've executed the stalking of it so far. I like the internal monologue. I, I, I like the running narration behind it all. Uh, but I don't know. It just, it feels, it feels weird for me to be watching this show. And even, I don't know. Weird, like inappropriate or no, not weird, inappropriate. Like, just, just like I'm watching this and it's like, 
I'm watching a Lifetime Channel original series about a stalker featuring an actress whose main other like notable credit was playing the live action version of a Frozen character in Once Upon a Time. This is not a show I should be watching. Like this, this seems like the, this on paper. This seems like the kind of show that I would jokingly threaten to do an X and Y about. On paper, this is a coming soon show. Oh, sorry. On paper, this is a soon show. <laughs> but I'm watching it, and I'm like interested in what happens, and it's weird to me. But yeah, so you, uh, I mean, if you want to check it out, it's out there. And final thing, I finished Altered Carbon. Finally. It only took me a year and a half, I guess, but fuck it, I finished it. Yeah, that show's good. Like, really good. I still haven't seen it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, I, I actually like need to go need to finish that show. Jesus so. Christ, dude. What? Yeah. <laughs> I I get into these moods where I just like I don't ever finish things. I I literally like got to the final episode of season 2 of Stretch of the Fle uh, Stretch and the Flex Fighters and I was like, "Eh, this is a good point to pause." It's <laughs> 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 like I haven't seen the final episode of that yet. <laughs> Probably still on season two of Voltron. No, I'm on season four of Voltron. <laughs> God. Yeah, Ultra Carbon's really good. Um, Rawlings virus is a terrifying fucking concept for this world. Um, I like the way it resolves. Um, I. I know that interesting, and I am looking forward to season two because they actually they, they did a decent job of actually resolving this season's story and setting up a season two. Cool. So it doesn't feel like a so it doesn't feel like they just like stretched out a concept that didn't that didn't need two seasons. They actually did their whole thing. Got a satisfying depending on your vision of satisfying resolution, and then. Fucking set up a season two, and apparently, um, Anthony Mackie is going to be taking over, uh, like main, like main character role in season two. Okay. Uh, for those that don't know, Anthony Mackie, Anthony Mackie plays Falcon in Avengers. As yeah, so we're getting a second season, uh, eight episodes. We will see where this I look goes. Forward to it. Yeah, that's what I got. Caveman. All right. Well, first off, I'm going to start with a blanket recommendation. Uh, if you like Power Rangers, Shout Factory has posted the first several Sentais. And they're worth a watch. Um, Jew Ranger, which is the original Mighty Morphin, 
can be a tad insufferable. Um, most, if not all, of the plots focus on children, and the heroes are constantly just handed their upgrades with no rhyme or reason as to why. Um, next, we've got Die Ranger, which is actually really good until you get to the White Ranger saga, which focuses on an asinine, irritating little kid again. I stopped watching at his second episode, so I don't know if that improves. Okay. Then you've got Kaku Ranger, which I highly recommend avoiding. Okay. I genuinely state, don't watch Kaku Ranger. Unless you really like Japanese slapstick goofy comedy. Because that's what Kaku Ranger is. It's not very entertaining to me. I don't like it very much. But what are you going to do? And then we get to the shitballs amazing that is O-Ranger. Which, for fans of American Power Rangers, is Zeo. Now, O-Ranger is the first one I'm actually going to spend any time talking about because I am in love with this show. O-Ranger's central conceit is that the world is being invaded by the machine armies. And we're losing. Oh, no. And that right there instantly hooked me in. Because usually it's like, and the bold human forces are able to... Or, Fighting back and holding the enemy forces off. Would you no. like to know more? <laughs> <laughs> but no. In this, we are losing. And we are losing bad. Until we develop a weapon that can actually do damage to the enemy. And then the first O-Ranger shows up. Red of uh, The red O-Ranger shows up and rescues four other individuals, who he then brings to O-Ranger base um, and like gets them set up with their powers. And with the previous three uh, Sentais that I've watched, there, it's, it's always been a bit of an issue to me that it's like, oh, most of the plots are centered around children and there's not any real threats and this, that, and the other. To explain to you why O-Ranger is so good and so much better than the others, I'm going to briefly describe a plot that happened in the show, and then I'm going to tell you my feelings about the plot. Now, this episode begins with Pink and Yellow getting into a slight argument over who gets to wear a specific dress because they both want to buy the same dress. Kind of a silly <laughs> concept, <laughs> but, but we go on... And we meet a monster, a robot, that shoots poison darts. And he lethally poisons the three male members of the team. So, Yellow then says, I will join you, Mr. Monster. Please just don't kill me. To which the monster says, fine, kill your teammate. And Yellow goes <laughs> and, like, actually attempts it. Yellow active like at least seems to actively attempt to kill Pink. Pink's there freaking out about the other three team members dying from the poison, and she goes out to try and retrieve the mo the antidote that the monster has. Now, anyone who's seen television knows what's going on. Yeah. Yellow is pretending to join up with the monster to get at to get the uh, poison. Yeah. Uh, however, she really fucking sells it. 
<laughs> like, she actively goads Pink, who knew nothing, into attacking her seriously. At, like, at one point, by wearing the dress. <laughs> like, she's wearing the dress that, like, that they were arguing about. It's like, don't you think this looks better on me? And they start fighting. And then What's up, bitch? She you, takes, you don't got the cat to pull this off, you cankle old bitch. She actually takes a shot for Pink, pretending like the Dart guy accidentally hit her. It's like, please give me the antidote. And Dart guy throws her the antidote file. And then she's like, ha, I wasn't poisoned at all. Yeah. Now I have the antidote. And Dart guy's like, I'm not that stupid. That's a bomb. And it blows up in her hand. <laughs> And then Pink's like, well, we didn't need you anyway. Our leader developed a cure, and we see the other three O-Rangers running towards them. And at this point, Birdie, I'm watching this with Birdie. Yeah. Birdie and I got pissed. We were like, are you fucking kidding me? This was all meaningless. I can't believe you would do this. And he, the, the bad guy pulled out, no, you couldn't have cured it without the antidote. At which point, Pink steals the antidote and says... Yeah, no, that was a bluff. And turns off the hologram that was showing the other three guys. And Birdie and I stopped and applauded. That was fucking brilliant. Then we, like, a little bit of goofiness happens. They get the antidote back. And they go to cure the guys. And they're, they don't respond. And they start freaking out because they're like, oh, no, we ran out of time. We ran out of time. And then the boss looks at them and is like, uh-uh. I set the clock ahead to freak you guys out. They'll be fine. <laughs> I'm just like, fuck you, boss. You're an asshole. What? They got the antidote. It's fine. You can joke about they it They got now. the antidote in time, yes. But, dear God, oh, my God, that episode was so good. <laughs> like, this, like, that right there puts O-Ranger head and shoulders above a lot of other shows that I've watched. Because, like, I expect a certain level of goofy silliness, but when it's serious, it is serious. It is dark. And there's a lot of dark. There is an episode where a human gets infected with the equivalent of robot werewolfism. And when he realizes it, he tries to kill himself. Nice. He points a gun at his own head. Was was the was the was the, was the bullet a techno silver bullet? <laughs> <laughs> it. This show is really good, and I wouldn't say just skip the others if you're a Power Rangers fan. I would say give them a once over, look at them, see if they appeal to you. Because you might have different opinions and tastes at a moment than I do. But I would say that O-Ranger, if you're looking for a more serious take, is a great place to start. I'm going to say, just when you were describing this episode, when you said, and the robot monster shoots out poisonous, I thought you were going to say poisonous dresses. Just shoots out a poisonous, poisonous dress, and then Pink's dress. like, and then uh, one of the dresses looks like the dress they're fighting over, and then Pink's like, hey, you know what? Here, take it. Gets the yellow, and then yellow puts it on and gets poisoned. It's like, oh, God, my fucking, oh, God, my desire for this dress killed my teammate. That's why I would have written it. Hire me, Saban, you piece of shit. <laughs> but, yeah. 
Uh, I highly recommend O-Ranger. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. I had a... I'm having a stellar time watching it. I recommend it to anyone who is a Power Rangers fan. Just because it's very interesting to see the, the way the original approached it. Having all of the knowledge from Power Rangers. Moving on, I watched a, uh, a movie called uh, Happily Never After. Okay. It has a stellar voice cast... Um, and that's really all the praise I want to give it right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, Christ. So, um, you all know the standard fairy tales. This world Oh, is I a, know this movie. It's a time loop where they're all trapped in these standard fairy tales. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. This looks, this looks like sub-hoodwinked. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a wild movie. This was very big here when it came out. It had like, a surprise. It has a surprisingly stellar voice cast. God, it's yeah, like that's like, all I can give it. Like the voice acting is actually pretty solid. The story is, and like, I would like to state George Carlin is in this movie. Fucking Christ, what? Yeah, I know, but the story is weak. As shit. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say from the from the images that I'm looking at of it, it looks like the team that made Food Fight tried to make Shrek. Uh better animators than that, but yes. It's kind of hard to tell animation through screenshots. Yeah, it, like the animation is it, like it's fluid if it doesn't look very good. But dear freaking goodness gracious crap on a sandwich oh its story is so boring and bland cinderella is in love with the prince but doesn't see the true love that's right in front of her holy fuck it's holy shit what are you reacting to the voice cast i know right yeah I was scared when I saw this because the last time I saw a stellar voice cast like that on something that I had never heard of, it was absolute trash. Was it Food Fight? No, it was not Food Fight. It was Fuck, uh, Roger L. Jackson's in this too. Fucking ghost. But yeah, happily never after is an interesting beast because it got a sequel. Yeah, a sequel <laughs> with the watch? at symbol in the title. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend it. Um, Good. If you if you did, I'd have to fire you. It. I, I I will admit that I was mildly amused by it, mostly tearing it apart. But I still had some amusements about it. But it was garbage. Rancid, fetid garbage. Okay, it wasn't <laughs> rancid, fetid garbage. I'm exaggerating for the humor. It was. It was a two out of five stars. If I had to give it a yeah. rate. Okay, because and... honestly, it didn't it didn't generate vitriol, it generated bad jokes. Okay, so just um Yeah. But what it I, did I, I, generate I feel, I feel was utter actually, shock. I feel like we need to actually say who the fucking voice cast is. Alright, if you want to read it off, go ahead. So Yeah, go ahead. We got Sarah Michelle Geller. Freddie Prince Jr., Wallace Shawn, Patrick Warburton, 
George Carlin, Sigourney Weaver, John DiMaggio, Tom Kenny, Rob Paulson, and Tress McNeil. Just got fucking Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, fucking Freddie Prince Jr. Because that's just who he is. Fucking inconceivable Joe from the like, inconceivable guy from Princess Bride, Patrick Warburton because he's so fucking awesome. George Carlin, the fucking conductor from Goddamn Thomas Tank Engine, fucking Ripley, Bender, SpongeBob, the Animaniacs. And half the Simpsons. And again, the last time I saw that kind of voice cast on something, it was terrible. What was it? I can't remember what it was. But, like, literally, we were like, oh, this might be good. It's got a bunch of famous people. Turn it on. Oh, God, no. <laughs> it might have been like, hoodwinked. No, it was not hoodwinked. Eleanor and I actually enjoy Hoodwinked. Yeah, Hoodwinked is actually a pretty good... It's, Hoodwinked is pretty solid. Because those haven't seen yeah, Hoodwinked... Yeah, it's a solid movie. Uh, that is Anne Hathaway, Glenn Close, Jim Belushi, Patrick Warburton, Anthony Anderson, Exhibit. Hoodwinked's a good movie. What about the sequel? Like... It's an acceptable uh, sequel. Hoodwinked as well. Yeah, it's an... Ex- yeah, I think the sequel's okay. Oh god, I'm I'm looking at this cast again and they managed to get back both Glenn Close and Patrick Warburton, but had to replace Anne Hathaway. I haven't looked up Hoodwink 2 now because I can't remember what happened. Hood yeah, it's called Hoodwink 2, Hood versus Evil. Do you get do you get do you get it? You get it? Yeah. Do you get it? <laughs> That's gonna sound great in the recording. Just look at my look at my waveform. Just a big fucking straight line. Just a solid block. Anyway. So as I was saying, um, the the mo- the biggest moment of shock with this movie was then going through my Netflix recommendations and seeing that there was a sequel. <laughs> and then even better than that was getting recommended Napoli ever after based on the fact that I had seen happily never after Napoli ever after it is the story of a young black woman coming to terms with the fact that she doesn't have to redo her hair to look like a white woman's in order to make it big in this world <sighs> nappy hair what? Napoli oh um, um. <laughs> what? That's one hell. Okay, one hell of a concept with one hell of a title. What? <laughs> it sounds. It sounds like a story where they made the title first. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Did you watch it? No. <laughs> I don't watch that kind of thing. I like goofball comedies, fantasy movies, and action things. I don't watch drama. Well, it's a romantic comedy. Even worse, I abhor romantic comedies. I think romantic comedy is one is the one genre of film that should not exist. Yeah, so I it's, hate 
romantic comedies. So it's a romantic comedy about a black woman written by, looks like, two white guys based in a book by, I'm assuming a black woman, directed by a Saudi Arabian woman. Apparently, the first Saudi Arabian filmmaker. Okay. Don't care. <laughs> well, Saudi Arabian film, female filmmaker. What year? Uh, this year. Oh. Yeah, it came okay. out. Yeah, Netflix original came out September 21st. Oh, then I might have just gotten oh. a recommendation on that because it was a Netflix original. And it's new. Just, just Jesus Christ. So that's one of the writers. Find... <laughs> oh my God! Could you get any whiter? Oh my gosh! And he's Canadian. Fuck. Okay, so there's one final thing that I wanted to talk about. So again, uh, praise goes out to Shout Factory for this one. I was tooling through their things and saw this on the list, and I was like, I'll give it a chance. Um. Now, when most people watch MST3Ks, they focus on the comedy part. I wanted to take a look at one of the films themselves, even though there was comedy going on around it. I still was listening to the MST3K bits, but I wanted to focus on the film itself. And that film is Devil Doll. Devil Doll? Devil Doll. Now, I is want to Is it about the... a doll... I want you both to guess what okay. the premise of this film is. It's like Puppet Master, but somehow worse. Okay. Is there a doll that, please confirm, is there a doll? Yes, there is okay. a, air quotes, doll. Oh, well, that's... Air no quotes. looking, dead man, that's cheating. No, I'm not, I'm looking up Puppet Master. Yeah. So, Rascal, what's your guess? What is the premise of this film? Is it, a, is it about a doll? Or maybe an evil one? Okay. Um, you're both wrong, but Dead Man is the closest. Woo! Okay. Press Devil right, Doll bitch. is the story of a ventriloquist hypnotist who was a former doctor who discovered an ancient technique to transfer the soul of one being into an object. So oh, it's Chucky. like Chucky, yes. yeah. Chucky is closer. Um, the ventriloquist hypnotist falls in love or obsesses over a young woman who he then hypnotizes into falling in love with him. Um, and I believe he uses the hypnosis to rape her at one point, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, I'm just going to um, say, dude, that's not how hypnotism works. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, he forces, well, coerces the doll into attacking people by telling him that people think he's ugly. Wait, the sentient doll? The doll? Yes, the sentient doll. Was what? He seems to be able to exert some kind of control over it. So was the doll sentient before he found the technique to transfer souls, or no? Um, so whose soul he did was... he put in the doll? Okay, 
that comes up like in the last third of the movie and i was okay. so confused until then all right <laughs> so i'm giving it to you as i received it so then um we find out through the main character who is captain boring uh newspaper man like literally one of the most boring human beings ever to exist outstanding uh he goes and finds people that the doctor had worked with in the past who it was a uh i believe a romanian woman and her brother the doctor had killed her brother on stage after showing them a doll that they say looks like him it looked nothing like the man it was the most grotesque puppet one of the most grotesque ventriloquist puppets i've seen in years uh like it made howdy doody look like fabio okay um and so he transfers the the boy's soul into the ventriloquist puppet and then just leaves like he just takes the doll and leaves and <laughs> that's who is in the sentient doll ah the 60s that way you could just walk and away from a murder then like the way the movie ends is so anticlimactic because the soul of the doll starts like the 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 puppet starts strangling the ventriloquist and somehow performs the ritual and swaps places with him <laughs> So now the soul that is the soul of a Romanian man sash boy has moved from the doll to this doctor man. Yes. Okay. And the reporter just accepts it. <laughs> yeah, that seems about right. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, that seems all in order. It's not good by any stretch of the imagination, and it's only barely saved by the MSG3K cast. It is only barely saved. Because they actually have a really funny bit going throughout, where Crow is trying to buy a devil doll. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like, uh, I think it's uh, Mike. Uh, is trying, like, dude, no, that's a bad idea, don't do this. And, like, Crow just spins the entire time, like, I can't do anything right when it's you! Everything I do is wrong in your eyes today! I'm not gonna- It's it's actually, it's, it's rather entertaining, and I recommend. If only for the bits, I recommend it. Alrighty. Uh, and that's all I've, uh, watched that I had, that I wanted to talk about. Alrighty, cool. Uh, just as a final thing, just because I mentioned fucking, uh, what is it, a uh, Puppet Master. Uh, yeah, there was a new Puppet Master movie released earlier this year. Seriously? Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah, written by the writer and director of Bone Tomahawk. What? It, it was called Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Oh, no. It's a horror comedy. Starring, oh, I think, no. one of the guys from uh, Reno 911. Hmm. They were funny at times. Yeah. So, any hoozle. That's what we're watching then. On to news. So, first up, uh, this is a story that I don't know if it's a story still. So, the Hollywood Reporter, uh, Revealed an exclusive 
a couple weeks back that Henry Cavill was leaving the role of Superman. Yes. According to yeah, according to uh, them and sources and whatever. Um, after talks broke down uh, for having him show up show up in a cameo fashion in the movie in the upcoming Shazam movie. Uh, yeah, talks broke down between that and then the people that represented Cavill for WME, they also, like, that whole thing just collapsed and it was potentially just, he was then potentially out as Superman. A bunch of people hopped on this shit and we're all talking about it. And then Cavill himself responded in a very odd way and I'm not 100% sure what it means and we haven't really gotten any official response from like Warner Brothers or anybody else involved in this really so after after this news came out uh, Cavill took to Instagram oh okay where he posted a video of himself he kind of looked, he was looking down, looked up at the screen as a, like, the, the a, I think it's the Waltz song was playing, but it also replaced some of the instruments with dog barks. What? As he lifted up a action figure of Superman into frame and then dropped it back down and that was the video. And that's... The entire post. And Art? wait. Yeah, like that could just be a dude having a laugh. I will send you. That's the thing. See if you can make fucking sense of it. I don't wanna. Is <laughs> yes, that happened? Uh Warner Brothers, they released a statement. Um well, they didn't really, really didn't really, sorry, they released a statement, but did not confirm or deny it, uh, saying, when all decisions have been made regarding any upcoming Superman films, we've always had a great, we've always had great respect and a great relationship with Henry Cavill, and that remains unchanged. <laughs> this video is wild. Yeah, I don't know. I do not understand this at all. Yeah, so as it stands, um, <laughs> Warner Brothers is like, hey, yeah, we haven't really broken anything off yet. Or maybe we did. I don't know. Uh, his reps are like, yeah, it's fucking shit's happening. We're, it's, all, it's all cool. Henry Cavill is like fucking entering his blue period, I guess. I don't know. I don't his know what? what's happening. So wait, that video was his response to the... I think so. I don't know. It was listed as that in the fucking... It was listed as that... From the fucking Daily Mail people. I don't know what is happening, man. <laughs> and I don't I know if I should care or not. I'm I'm I kind of want to say maybe this is maybe this is a breakdown, and this may or may not just be like this could just be unrelated. It could be, I don't fucking know. Moving on. For the love of God. Netflix has announced that. They are working with uh, Michael DiMartino and Brian... I don't even know how to pronounce that last name. The creators of Avatar The Last Airbender to remake Avatar The Last Airbender. 
Yes, a live action remake. Yes. Mm. I'll probably watch it. Yeah. Yeah, so um Yeah, so uh the, the Martino and Knitz Knitz Kites Kites Con Ken Brian Demartino and Brian. Uh, like I said, they were the original creators. Uh, they will be coming on and serving as executive producers and the showrunners of the series. Uh, and they said in a statement about the project, We're thrilled for the opportunity to helm this live-action adaptation of Avatar Last Airbender. We can't re- wait to realize Aang's world as cinematically as we as always imagined it to be, and with a culturally appropriate non-whitewashed cast. That's the oh, part I like good. the most. It's a once-in-a-lifetime yeah. chance to build upon everyone's great work on the original animated series and to go even deeper into the characters, story, and ac- action, and world-building. Netflix so is wholly dedicated... mean it's going to be longer? Who knows? Netflix is wholly dedicated to ma- manifesting our vision for this retelling, and we're, gr- and we're incredibly grateful to be partnering with them. So the thing that kind of Birdie and I got from that statement was, fuck you, Shyamalan? Yeah. yeah no. I totally get that feel. Yeah. Yeah, because... But, I mean, I'm kind of excited for it, though. Like, I... I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. Like, one hand, I'm like, oh, maybe we should stop, you know, sinking our claws into nostalgia and we should focus on what's new and coming instead of remaking and rebooting old properties that we all love but on the other hand there's I an like argument the to be made for reboots as a positive thing because yeah. by triggering our nostalgia it actually uh forces positive emotions to come out rather than the vitriol that so many of us just enjoy seeming to spit yeah, but on the other hand, I like the idea of seeing a project that has happened before but actually being reimagined like it was meant to rather than, you know, M, M. Night Shyamalan's what I would like interpretation. is the continuation of what they were doing. This is, feels like a step back. Like like they had this, like this whole thing, they set it up, like got fucking Avatar Last Airbender, one of the greatest animated shows of all time. Mm-hmm. Then you got Korra, a solid follow-up that got fucked over by the network. Yeah. And then they're coming back, they got a new project, and it's that first thing again. But live action. I, mm, I kind of Well, here's the thing that I like, have to say to that. Yeah. If this does well enough... It could spawn that continuation that you're talking about. Exactly. They could be trying like, to see if there's still a market for it. But they need. Why would they need to make an entire new show for that? They could just look at the internet. Well, no, because yeah, like, because you the know, internet's never to... said one thing and then immediately gone back on it. Look yeah, at like, critical also... response. Look at reviews. Look at the sales of their fucking comic books that are still being released today. Well, okay, but you also have to look at their last project, Korra, and, like, that didn't exactly go as well in terms of, like, you know, the network it, and stuff. Yeah, and a lot of that was be, the uh, network. It, it, it could also be a method to generate funds for future projects. By yeah. spending more than those... Just... The effects alone on Appa... Yeah, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be insane. 
Yeah. <laughs> like that, the budget, the Oppa budget will be the thing we're talking about <laughs> next year. Watch. <laughs> yeah, like the budget on Oppa and Momo, and then every other animal in this world, as well as building fucking cities like Bossing Se and Omashu. And also, like the shit, the assets as well, like the ships and stuff. Yeah, this is going to be. If if they really are going to try to do like a thing, it cannot be at. It will have to be an incredibly streamlined version of Avatar that cuts out all of the fat, which they're not going to do. Yeah, like like given the budget of what this series ought to be, they will not be able to have a fucking Ember Island players episode. Do we know whether it's a series or like a movie a or is it just it's a series? Okay. Yeah. Well then yeah, I guess they will unless they're like going to be doing multiple seasons, then yeah, everything will be have to be cut down. Well, no, I'm not they're they're not they're not doing the entirety of Avatar Last Airbender in one season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like I guess I would, I guess we just have to wait to see what they're going to do. Yeah, it's going to be season one as an adaptation of season one. Probably. Wait, how many episodes was the original 61. season then? 61. Yeah, well, 61 across three 60. seasons. So about 20 episodes a season. Okay. But knowing Netflix's general episode size to be like around 10 to 13 episodes. Well, it depends on the show. There were really some shows where it's like, hey, here's 22 episodes. There was other shows where it's like, hey, here's fucking seven. Here's four, and that's an entire season of fucking Castlevania. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Still <laughs> yeah, bitter. But that's, it, it, that's it, seems the shorter, it seems the shorter the episode length, the shorter the season. So it could, well, it could like, potentially get to a point where they release like a fucking four coma series where one episode is four minutes, and that's the season. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I guess. I I am I want an earthbender based fucking avatar, okay? Oh yeah. That's now the that next one it, in the I... cycle. Yeah. That's all I want. That is all I have ever wanted. All I've ever wanted is fucking series three and series four focusing on the Earthbender Avatar and then the Firebender Avatar. We'll never get that because Netflix is dick bags. Sorry, Nickelodeon is dick bags. Netflix, they're probably dick bags, but they're doing a better job of hiding it. They're executives at a fucking production company. They're dick bags. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Kind of comes with the role. Yeah, but Nickelodeon fucked them over so hard they just left the project. So, yeah. Moving right along. So, remember that? Remember that Disney-centric streaming service that Disney's trying to launch? Yeah. Yeah. So they had that. They had that apparently as a real thing because they are building Marvel Cinematic Universe shows to be streaming on that service. Okay. Including oh, yeah, including okay. series that focus on Loki and the Scarlet Witch. Isn't Loki dead? <laughs> eh. Wait, 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 wait. 
So it's Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. So the movies, but is it what's the actual medium that they're going to be using to stream? Is it like animated TV show? Is it like who the fuck knows? It'll okay. Like, it'll probably be animated so that they don't have to have you know what's his name the Tom Hiddleston. Actors. Yeah. <laughs> and spend ass loads of money producing a TV series that very few people are actually going to watch because fuck you Disney. <laughs> You think they put that same logic behind not making a live action Avatar? It's like, hey, we're gonna spend, we're gonna spend millions, we're gonna spend millions of dollars to make a thing where people are just gonna complain that it's not animated. We literally have Studio Mir in pocket. We could just fucking call them up and go, "Yo, bros, wanna make more Avatar?" Yeah, I don't know. This is all happening. Other shows apparently also potentially in the works. Marvel and Disney. Didn't talk about this at all. This is just something coming out of Variety. So, who the fuck knows what any of this means? This seems like a bad idea. Yeah, I think you know the root of cause evil. You know the devil. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. Anywho, right along. Uh, through IGN, uh, it's been confirmed by Fox that there's a third Kingsman movie in the works. Oh yeah, Kingsman three. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it is. I never saw King. I never saw the Golden Circle, so I don't have an opinion on this. See, I watched the second one, not the first one. So first one's solid. The first one yeah. is gold. I love the first one. Yeah, the second one, from what I've heard, is not as good, but still all right. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty solid movie, but I don't think it's at the same level as the first one. Yeah. So Matthew Vaughn is returning to both write and direct. He is the writer and director of the first two movies. Yep. And the movie is set for a release uh, set for release on November eighth, twenty nineteen. Expect that to change, okay. but we have an idea of where they're coming from. Yeah, end of next year. Yep, moving right along. Disney has renewed Ducktales for season three ahead of their season two premiere. Yay! Yay! Yeah, so Ducktales season two is premiering on October twentieth, and we're gonna be getting more in twenty nineteen. And speaking of more. Woo. We're getting a sequel to Happy Death Day. Wait, what? Oh, is that that movie where it's a horror movie, but it's like her birthday? Yeah, it's gr- it's Groundhog Day, but with murder. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah, that's happened. We're getting a sequel to it. We, okay. It's called Happy Death Day to You. <laughs> nice. Are you sure it's not to you? Yeah, it's let it's number two letter U. Okay. That's what I figured they were gonna do, but I pronounced yeah. it. But I pronounced it, you know, to you because that's how, that's the joke. That's the that's the joke. Yes, that's the joke. That's the joke. I love I love listening to Dead Man get excited about things. Yes, <laughs> you. Christopher Andrew. Yeah, do that. <laughs> Christopher Landon, uh, no, the writer and director of the first movie, is returning to also write and direct. It's still coming out of Blumhouse. Uh, there has been. I a- think my favorite thing about this, uh, these, the the first movie was the fact that it was, you know, a very dark version of Groundhog's Day. Hmm. And it's Groundhog. Sorry. Just like like yeah, the holiday has different names, or whatever, but the movie is Groundhog. I know, I mispronounced it. I apologize. 
Yeah. So uh, this is all happening. Uh, the original actress, uh, Jessica Roth, 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 Jessica is coming back. Uh, the movie is set. The movie is set to be released on Valentine's Day next year. And we oh, do not have okay. any plot details of it as of yet. But um, Jessica has said that. Uh, yeah, but the, the synopsis that has been released uh, said that Jessica's character uh, will discover that quote dying over and over was surprisingly easier than the dangers that lie ahead. Ooh! I hope it just turns into a romantic comedy about her like having to try to juggle work and her love life. That would be interesting. That would be an interesting yeah. thing to. Uh, and then in the background, like a different horror movie is happening. Yeah. <laughs> this is like that episode of Community where there's an entire story happening in the happening in like the behind the scenes shots. But instead, it's like, hey, we got this romantic comedy, and then there's a horror movie happening in the background. <laughs> Anywho, that is it for news. New releases wise, we got some stuff, I guess. So for this week, the week of September 28th, we have Night School, the newest Kevin Hart film. Ugh, I don't like Kevin Hart's movies. Yeah, Kevin Hart's not great. Yeah. Uh, also this week, a uh, movie called Smallfoot. It's about... It's about like what if what if what if a yeti found a person? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Same folks. Uh. Oh shit! I forgot the studio. Warner Brothers. No animation studio. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But it's from the writer of James the Giant Peach and Chicken Run. Wait, really? Not everything that the person writes is gold. <laughs> also, also, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, The Charlotte's Web Movie, Over the Hedge, and The Spiderwick Chronicles. And The Rescuers Down Under. Oh, I love... And The Road the to El Dorado and Little Van... What the fuck? Who the fuck is this person? How have I never heard of this person before? How is... <laughs> why have this... How has this person made all of my childhood classics... Yeah, fucking Carrie Kirkpatrick. Weird. Yeah, so that movie's fucking coming out. And then also Hellfest. A movie I heard about and now kind of really want to see. I saw a trailer for it and a lot of people in it. It's uh, got fucking Tony Todd and Bex Taylor Claus. And it's about like a Halloween horror night at an amusement park that's Gets in, it gets invaded by an actual serial killer. Yeah, no, I'm down. It just seems like a paint by numbers horror movie to me. Yeah, have you seen a horror movie? Yes, and that's why I'm kind of just. Eh. Yeah, I'll fucking see it probably. Anyway, next week is uh, dog shit. Because the Venom movie comes out. <gasps> like a turd in the wind. No, I'm excited for the Venom movie. Don't do this. Why? Why? Because I like Tom Hardy. <laughs> so you're excited for Tom Hardy, not a Venom movie. Yeah. Mm. I want to emphasize that like a turd in the wind. 
is a line from the goddamn trailers. Yes. <laughs> that is very true. Then it cuts to, yeah, I, I have a parasite. See you, Miss Jack. What fucking voice is he trying to do in that goddamn movie? It's just fucking all over the place. And I don't know what it's actually supposed to be. This movie, Venom's going to be a disaster. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like, a fucking terrible disaster and is going to be murdered like the symbiote that the movie is about. Isn't it biote? Isn't it symbiote? Yeah, it's symbiote. No, it's, it's a fucking symbiote. But they, but they say it's so goddamn weird in the trailers. <laughs> they put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Come on, deep man. <laughs> Stop making fun of the movie. <laughs> anyway. I, yeah. That does it for new relices. And that's going to do it for this week. Thank you all for joining us. We will be back in two weeks time with another episode of this fucking nightmare. Yeah. Uh, hopefully Rascal will not have been swallowed up by the Outback again. Oh no, I have shooting in <laughs> Hopefully I won't have gotten worse as I did this entire recording ill. Well yeah, I'm ill every week, but I don't fucking bring it up. You hear me? You feel me, homie? Oh, I feel you. I'm I white. Wish I wasn't. It's really so gross white. and sweaty. Anyway, until then though, I'm dead. I'm cave. I'm rascal. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye, everyone, for the time.